0: That golden moment on today's show, some of our Olympic champions share their stories of what it took to reach the podium, what it felt like to get there. Joe Telly's Great Canadian Sports Show, coming up! Welcome to the program. Donovan Bailey was kind of a late bloomer in the sprinting game. He didn't really find his groove until his early to mid-20s. But in 1995, he broke through with a world title in the 100 meters. Now, that made him one of the favorites heading into the 96 Olympics in Atlanta. Was there extra pressure to perform for Canada after what happened to Ben Johnson eight years earlier? Apparently
1: not. There was no doubt in Donovan's mind, nor his dad's. Going into '96 was just—it was another day at the office for me. I mean, you know, you know what happened with Ben was in '88. The last time a Canadian had won the Olympics was in nineteen was in was in 1928 uh, when Percy Williams won. So I mean, I I knew that I knew the history, uh, but it, for me it was another day at the office. I mean, funny enough, I mean, and and I tell this story quite often. My father was there watching. What my father was in Atlanta watching, and. Uh, my daughter was was just my daughter was like almost two her her birthday uh is in is in august and so she was my little girl was there in Atlanta and my and my dad said to me joe my dad said okay son listen um I know I'm here to watch you compete and I know you have a couple of rounds to go uh so I'm not gonna worry about that stuff I'll just meet you at the finals I'm like dad do you understand that? I actually have to qualify per round. So this is what I'm saying about the people that, my, my, and my dad, didn't, he couldn't care less. He said, I made some plans to take my little granddaughter shopping or to go get her ice cream or whatever he was doing. And, and that really what that's all it was for him. He, he couldn't care less. I mean, and that's exactly what happened. So you're saying, I probably had more pressure trying to impress my dad than, 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 than the nation and the world. You know, because he was like, okay, listen, I'm not going to be around. I I can care less. I will see. My dad came to one race, and that was the
0: finals.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That was it. Well, you know what? Obviously, your dad had as
0: much faith in you as you did in yourself. I mean, at least, right?
1: Well, it's it's taught confidence. I mean, you know, I I think that – you know i remember having a conversation with my dad when i was 9 years old and and i was studying and he said well and, and and i think i said something like yeah i need to get some like it was a whatever it was it was maybe i had to get like 70 or something uh, to get an a or some sort of i don't remember what exactly right. what the what, what the actual number was and he said well you, you need to study like you're gonna get an A. You need to talk like you're gonna get an A. You need to like you you're you, you need to this is you need to to to, to embody all this. And I'm nine years old. Like I'm wanting to go outside to go play soccer. That I, I didn't, again. I didn't want to hear that kind of talk. I mean, every nine year old kind of go, oh, come on, dad, you know. But my dad had taught me. Uh, my parents had taught me from when I was young to be confident, but but not just to be confident, to prepare myself. And so uh, I knew in Atlanta that I was prepared. I knew that, I mean, I had gotten, I, I, I'd gotten an injury just before Atlanta. There was, There's a lot of other things that were going on, but I knew that the race itself, I had full control over. I was prepared. Uh, you know, I had Dr. Mark Lindsay with me, who's probably got the best physio, best hands, best soft tissue specialist in the world. Um, Dan Papp, my coach, had great training partners. You know, my my dad was in the stands watching with my daughter, and I had a whole slew of friends who took plane, train, and automobile from Canada. It's probably a hundred of my friends that 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 were in the stands that came down to watch. So uh, that probably had more pressure than just me getting out there and winning. I mean, winning was something I was used to. I knew what I had to do. You know, so no, there wasn't wasn't a lot of pressure. I I mean, obviously, in reflecting back, I understood how important it was. Uh, as a Canadian, uh but yeah, I mean, as far as pressure is concerned, I mean, I, I tend to, I tend to just just think about you know if they call you up, Joe, and say, listen, just come host the Oscars, man. You kind of go, yeah, I like it. It is definitely a challenge, but I'm gonna knock this thing out of the park. You know how it is.
0: Right, right. Yeah, I'm gonna phone Billy Crystal and say, Billy, wh- wh- how do how do I do this? Right. <laughs> <laughs>
1: right. yeah. wait listen why not why Help surround yourself with good people there you go yeah, yeah. yeah
2: absolutely
0: yeah, yeah, why yeah.
2: not
0: yeah okay so now uh, um, so let's talk about the, the races your, your dad missed because they're kind of interesting your first uh, in the quarterfinals, you, you were second in your heat to Linford Christie who was the gold medalist in 92 uh, then in the mm-hmm. semis you were second in your heat to Frankie Fredericks in the in Namibia was that by design you know like I mean, you weren't pressuring yourself too much you weren't going to below your, you know, wad as they say in the, in, in the quarterfinals and semifinals when, when, uh,
3: right.
0: <laughs> I know that terminology okay. is not the greatest here, but yeah, <laughs> you weren't going to go all out there just because you wanted to save a little bit. Is that what you're
1: trying? Is that what you're doing at the time? Well, yeah, you know what, here's what happens. You know that, you know that you're going to have three rounds, right? I mean, and, and, and it's, it's, and, and, and again, um, professional track and field, we travel around the globe and we compete against each other. So we're competing, we're competing against each other in 20, 30, 40 countries. So I knew, um, I knew who these guys were. I'd beaten Linford, I'd beaten Frankie. So, so I knew what their, their, their strengths and I knew what their weaknesses were, but it's like, like one of the things that, that Dan always talk about is like, they don't hand out medals at the 30 meter mark. And they certainly don't hand out medals during the round. So at the end of the day, all I was doing really was kind of getting in my own personal rhythm. One of the things that I do, what, what I did when I trained, I actually never liked to go through tape. so I, I never so we videoed, but Dan would go through that by himself to kind of see what, what I was doing wrong, and then he'd come and tell me. One of the things that I preferred to do was actually get in the race and and, and in practice and actually go through rhythm. So for me, it was just about how I felt. Uh, was I aggressive coming out of the blocks? Uh, you know, was you know was my breathing okay? Was my shoulder okay? Was my shin angles all right coming out of the blocks? Was my drive phase okay? You know, all of those, was my acceleration phase okay? So I knew all of those things. So I was actually just going through those uh, mechanics, uh, through the round, so I really wasn't concerned with who I lost to or what was going on. Like, I, like, yeah, it, I, I mean, you know, that top two is always going to give you, um, Charity. a great lane, which is really, what you, which is really mm-hmm. what you vie for. You got to be top two, mm-hmm. you get a great lane, and then when the finals come, you leave it all out, leave the whole wad out there, Joe,
0: right? And, and the uh, <laughs> The uh, the technically technically sound in the quarterfinals, technically sound in the semifinals, so you felt absolutely comfortable. So then we, but then we get to the final. Okay, three right. false starts, and then Christie is is uh, DQ'd. So did that throw you off? I mean, to me, it's like I I watch those D the, the, the false starts, and I think to myself, Don's got such a great. You know, start here in 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 both of, in in both of the, the first two uh, false starts. All, all all three of them. You like such a you're great coming to the blocks. I mean, I think this this is terrible. I mean, I, I don't know. I I feel like I felt more pressure than you did watching this race, right? I mean, it just it just felt I'm to done. me is like the word weight of the world is on this guy's shoulders. He's got to do this. He's the best in the world. He's got to. And of course, three false starts. Did that throw you off?
1: Well, first of all, I can say that I probably got more relaxed as the fall starts happened. But, yes, I was very upset, very, very upset because I had two very good starts. I had two very good starts. Mm -hmm. And Dan thought that if I had a proper start, then my time should be uh, high 9.6, low 9.7. I think he said something like he thought that I was able to run 9.71. So I didn't know the time. That's just what he said. And and that would have been a beautiful time to run, um, but yeah, it was it was absolutely horrible. Ah, uh, but I realized again um, the things that Dan and I talk about in practice, Donovan. If you have a false start, go back in, reset. So it's almost like loading a spring. So I knew that every time there's a false start, go back in, just real deep, take some deep breaths. Under you know, stretch, you know, shake it off. And, and get back in and getting ready and getting ready for war and that's yes i was i was very upset about the starts uh but then i realized one my top speed was higher than anybody else in that field so all i needed to do although i had a horrible start in the finals um i was the sixth man out of the blocks i knew that again i had to be conscious i had to relax i had to be patient uh and and uh you saw the result
0: right and and after that third false start the the and and, and Christie's DQ'd then then the, the real race and it's your your worst start of the of the four of them but you yeah. you were able to make that up now were you con- were you a little bit concerned after that start I mean, did you think they're still on no did you think at any point point did you think I blown it I'm not going to be able to catch these guys or did you know
1: no I knew I knew because uh, because race is like because it was it was been happening it'd been happening on the on the professional circuit uh the entire year I mean there were there were times that Frankie had gotten out on me and and uh, and i would just catch him and sometimes I'd I, I, would, I would let him win uh Linford was the same way I mean and and also all the, the all the athletes that were in the race were all professional athletes so I so and so I saw them. Uh, you know, uh, on the professional circuit. So I had seen Otto, I'd seen Frankie, I'd seen Davidson, I'd seen, you know, Michael Green, I'd I'd seen all of the guys. So I knew that if I just stayed patient and I stayed relaxed and that I would get momentum and that when I hit top speed, I'd pass the entire field. So, yes, I I mean, I really wasn't worried about that and I was quite confident I was going to win.
0: I love that, that, that iconic photo of you after you cross the finish line. It was unbelievable. That's, I, I, I don't know. That's, it's, it's kind of one of my favorite, maybe the, the greatest, uh, sports photo in Canadian history, right up there for sure. Of uh, that race you face. looked over, got, you looked it over, it you saw you race in one. Face, no? <laughs> race face, we got baby. That's <laughs> the best race face ever. Absolutely. Uh, was that a, I mean, it's just awesome. eh? I mean, I, I can never get tired of looking at that. And, and, uh, so um what so you're 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 the olympic champion world record holder fastest man on the planet what does that feel like when when that at that moment and and of course you you drape yourself in the canadian flag and it's just like wow i mean a country's cheering you on and i don't know if it's it's if it's a little different here than it is in other countries but wow i mean it, it was just like it was so special for us especially after what happened with ben and everything else and you know of course we all wanted to wait that next few hours make sure it's all clean and the steps come back sure. <laughs> right you know I, know I we have worried. to, right yeah you were right. worried. I know you were worried but uh, you know no, and listen, um, it, it, yeah
1: and you no know, it was amazing um it, it it felt it felt you know one i think is a culmination of of hard work um i obviously want to run faster but that's the athlete in me because we train every single day take one one thousandth of our time um but yeah i i you know i felt uh i felt i hadn't ran actually in truth joe i felt that i ran a terrible race i felt that the start was bad and and i was telling dan i'm like oh it's horrible and he's saying yes it's horrible and we're both looking at each other saying these things while looking and say oh by the way you know you know no other (laughs) human being has ran that. (laughs) That's <laughs> so, so, so it was yeah. uh, so it was it was definitely a thing. It was definitely a thing. But but again, I I, I think that it you know it's you know definitely honored, blessed, and humbled uh, you know, to celebrate another occasion uh where I'm in I'm in the um the living rooms of every single Canadian and probably every single track and field sports fan around the world. And 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 it's it's just one of those times that Wherever I go and whatever I do to this day, and I'm sure this will happen until I die, um, you know, people get to share uh, their incredible memories of what they did that day uh, to me, uh, you know, with me. And and uh, and and again, I'm I'm definitely blessed and humbled, um, you know, that day and definitely every single day from that day onwards.
0: It was beautiful. I mean, so I just want to look at these numbers here. Uh, You were running 12.10 meters meters per second, 43.6 kilometers an hour, 27.1 miles per hour, fastest ever by any human being on planet Earth. Uh, That's pretty cool. I mean, just that whole thing is kind of, that's pretty cool. I just have to say, there's two things that I think are the, the coolest sporting achievements there are. One is fastest Thank man you. on the planet, one's heavyweight champion of the world, you know? And, and you, you got yes. to experience one of those things. And our, our buddy Lennox well. Lewis got to experience uh, the other one, right? So that's pretty cool. At the same uh, time. Now, yeah, at the same time. At the right. same time. How cool is that? Yeah. 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 Canada rules, baby. Canada rules. Absolutely. <laughs> Speaking of Lennox Lewis, he was looking to become the first Canadian boxer to claim an Olympic gold medal since Horace Lefty Gwynn in 1932. Now, we came close in 84 with Sean O'Sullivan and Willie DeWitt winning silver. But a slow start against Riddick Bowe of the United States that saw him lose the first round didn't do much to weaken the resolve of the Canadian. Lennox would rally in ferocious fashion. You're going to the 1980 Olympics and, and uh, uh, you know, the, the big challenge, of course, everybody knows it's going to be Riddick Bowe, you know, you're facing for the gold medal. And... Uh, now here and here's here's your fight against Riddick Bo. Now in the first round Bo Bo hit you pretty good. Looked like he he won the round for sure and and uh, and you had to dig down deep in that second round. Tell us what happened.
2: Yeah, Bo Bo won the sec- the first round because he surprised me. His best punch was the uppercut and I put my head down for it. And I remember, you know, that was a big problem I had in the amateurs. Sometimes I put my head too low and not keeping your head up And that was a situation where he caught me. And it was really just a wake-up shot for me. It's like I was so upset that I got caught with that punch that I came out, you know, furious the next round. And I said, yo, I came to the Olympics to win. So, you know, if I win, if I lose and I've still got breath left, then I didn't work hard enough. I've got to work until I can't work no more. And that's that's what I went out in the second round to do. He's going I said, he's gonna have to, he's gonna have to hurt me bad or knock me out to win because I'm going for it.
0: How did it feel to uh, to put that gold medal around your neck and, and knowing that it was the first uh, Canadian gold medal in boxing in over a half century since Horace Lefty Gwin, I think in 1936 or 32 or something like that. Uh, you know, and, and me for me as a boxing, uh, a boxing guy and a Canadian. I, I mean, that that moment was just so wonderful, so thrilling to see you dancing around the ring like that and 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 uh, winning that gold medal for Canada. What was it like at that moment for
2: you? Oh, it was, I was I was really overjoyed. I was very happy. Um, you know, a lot of people going into Olympics didn't had me not winning. You know, oh, he won't win it. But I, I wanted to prove everybody right. This is my second time at it. And I said, you know, I'm not coming here for the second time for nothing. They're going to have to take me out on a stretcher. So that's how focused I was. And, uh, you know, I was really happy uh, beating Riddick Bowe. Riddick Bowe was talking about me before the Olympics, saying how he's going to beat up everybody. He was going to knock out everybody. He's going to win the Olympics. That the American boxers came over to me and said, hey, there's a guy named Riddick Bowe over there saying that he's going to knock you. I'm like, who's Riddick Bowe? I've never met this guy. Bring me to this guy. So we went around looking for Riddick Bowe all over the Olympic uh, 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 village, uh, village. F- finally found him, walked up to him, and I said, yo, I'm going to knock you out. And he go, you ain't going to knock out nobody. So I'm like, yeah? <laughs> all right, so that was our first, first words. Our last words were the other day, he came down to Miami and he wanted to shake my hands. Um, so yeah. we shook hands still, you know you know what I mean? But I, I had my yeah. hands up because he's known, he's known as a soccer punter, so <laughs> I was ready for it.
4: Coming up.
0: Did you hear Sid calling for the puck? <laughs>
4: absolutely absolutely make sure guys uh young kids make sure you talk on the ice talk 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 it makes the game easier (laughs) he's not yelling for this there's no way i even try to throw it to him but he was yelling with a and with an urgency like you knew he got by the guy
0: more joe Tilley's great canadian sports show coming up after the break Guests on Joe Tilly Sports receive a gift certificate from Classica Imports. Top of the line, imported men's clothing. Check out the Classica Essential Collection now. Go to shopclassica.com.
4: Hey, this is Tommy Grazley, a.k.a. Tommy Gunn i love two things music and sports and when i want sports i go to the joe tilly show he gives me everything i want it's a great show check it out for yourself joe tilly sports coming up
0: good night when i'm working out i like to wear my joe tilly's great canadian sports show t-shirt it makes me feel handsome and strong if you want a t-shirt Support the show, click on the link below. Now, back to my workout. Uh, 1761, 1762, 1763, 1764. Addiction Rehab Toronto, Toronto's number one alcohol and drug treatment center. Saving lives, reuniting families. The only treatment center in the province to offer medical detox treatment sober living, and lifetime aftercare all in one place. Our unique and specialized programs are designed to equip our clients with the tools to successfully lead a life of dignity, respect, and purpose. Let us help save your life or your loved one's life. Call today for more information or to facilitate an intervention. 1-855-787-2424 or visit addictionrehabtoronto.ca. Joe Tilly Sports is brought to you by COSA, Central Ontario Standard Bread Association, providing a united voice for harness horse people racing at Ontario tracks. Check out your benefits today at COSAonline.com. And check out COSA TV on Facebook and YouTube for all the latest harness news and live action updates. Live racing year-round. Go to HPIbet.com for all your wagering options, become a member today, and your first bet is free. That's HPIbet.com. Slow play. It's a slippery slope. First you go looking for that lost ball, and then everything goes sideways. There are a lot of golfers on the course. Make certain of your point of entry, Look quickly and move on. Remember, we're here for a good time, not a long time. Find anything, Bob? Not yet. Visit moregolf.ca. You'll find everything a golfer could need, from balls, gloves, and clubs, to custom fitting opportunities, training gear, and more. When you go to moregolf.ca to log in and make your final purchase, don't forget to enter promo code Sports to get $20 off. Go to moregolf.ca today. When it comes to Olympic hockey, Canada is frequently on the top of the podium. Goaltender Sammy Joe Small and defender Cheryl Pounder each won Olympic gold medals for Canada in 2002 and 2006. Not easy bringing 22 athletes together to achieve the same goal. There's a lot of pressure involved.
5: We're all from different backgrounds, and we're all from uh, different cultures, different ages. Um, and so there tends to be groups that you hang out with on the national team. And those tend to be your, you know, your allegiances, because those are the people you know the best. Those are the people that you're hoping to do the best. Um, and you know, not initially at the start of my career, but as, as my career um, sort of evolved with the national team. And the coaches changed, and the environment changed. They really started pitting players against each other, and that was the competitive envi- environment, as they called it, Team Canada. And so, um, it was a really, really hard environment to be in. And you know, if you had a couple friends on the team, that really helped it. You know, that really made the um, experience uh, tolerable yeah. at times, but also um, gave you the strength. To lift others up as well, and as Cheryl mentioned, you know, despite the fact that we weren't all friends, and I don't, I say that very loosely, um, we all respected each other. Everybody had this en- enormous respect for the other yeah. person and for their values and where they came from. And so, I think sometimes people try to create team by creating this, um, uh, these, this forced. friendship amongst ev- everybody. You have to be friends, right. yeah, forced friendship, yeah. and. You know, a group of essentially we're 25 women, 30 women to start. That's just a lot of people. So it's, you know, it's finding your place. It's finding um, how you can provide value and um, what you can do for the team. And maybe it's just for that one person right beside you on that day. And, you know, sometimes the friends that you're hanging out with at a world championships happen to be who they room you with or who they sit beside you. they sit beside you in the dressing room. And that's not always of your own choosing you know, but you, those are the people you're hanging out with and you're getting to know and you're, you know, I, I got to know probably very different people than Cheryl ever did because of just the sheer situations that we were put in. Um, so I think that I have developed, um, more incredible and better relationships with my teammates post hockey career because we are out of that stress bubble. Um, not to, you know, when I, I came back from the Olympics uh, or after from being cut and I played in the CWHL in professional women's hockey um, for another 10 years, there were very few women that played after they got cut from the national team. They were done. They were done with hockey. Uh, they were done with the environment. They were done with the pressure. And they're, you know, just had, it had, the love and joy had been sucked out for them because of the environment that we had to struggle through. Um, you know, I, I was I didn't have the pressures in college. I think that's what allowed me to sort of keep going and not get burnt out from from hockey. Um, however, most didn't. And so, yeah, I think, Joe, to your point, it's you know, it may seem like we are all great friends and, you know, in the, uh, now in the sphere, we all, we all are because I, I do personally believe that our relationships have developed so much oh. stronger post career.
0: Cheryl's golden moment had some added excitement that Sammy played a role in—a birth in the family. We always, always get along
6: with defensemen. We always love our defensemen.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah,
6: yeah. Right, and, sure. and case in point with uh, one of the—I I tell this all the time too. Now, and I know it's in Sammy's book. I don't want to give it away, but I'm going to. Um, is you know one of the greatest, um, you know, things a teammate did for me was at the Olympics, and it was by Sammy. Right. My my sister called me right before the game and she said, Cheryl, you're an aunt and I'm kind of panicked. Right. And I know, you know, I'm, I'm old enough. I've been in the game long enough. I know what I need to do to get prepared, to be ready to perform at the highest level. I've been there before. Um, but my this was something that was completely not supposed to happen. And my parents were in the stands for the birth of their first grandchild. And of course, you know, I go to Sammy and, and say, because it's the only thing I know how. the only thing that is going to help me in this moment is the recognition that like safety right my, my sister's okay. The baby's okay and my parents need to know that and that it was that's more important than any medal, right um and I also needed to know. To perform that that had been taken care of, and so Sammy went and did that, and I remember. After the game, I skate over to the boards. It's this amazing moment and I'm holding my gold medal up and I'm like, this one. And I'm looking up in the stands and I'm crying and I'm yelling at my mom and my dad and I'm yelling, mommy. And in my 30s, I'm like, mommy, mommy, we did it. And I'm crying and she's you know, crying and, and we have this freeze moment. And all she can say is, I know, but it's a boy. And I thought, "Mom, but we won the gold medal, right? And, but again, I think, everything comes back to perspective and so of course it was the birth of a child and of course that's you know that's everything and so it brings us back to perspective like if the, the, the sky is yellow in my world it's yellow like just you know and a lot of people would say you know the sky is yellow in my world so um you know I think there's a lot to be said about you know Sammy as a teammate and um you know I think that you know those those I won't say incidents but those choices made by teammates just sort of push you, um, you know, well beyond anything in terms of like, now if she's going to do something, of course I'm going to help her the best I can. And so, and it's not just because of that one moment, it's everything else tying in, but I find that's coming a lot after hockey. And so I agree with her on that. And um, yeah. So thanks, Sammy.
0: Tara Watchorn won gold for Canada in 2014. They beat the Americans twice in Sochi. No easy task
3: when you get into those tournaments, it always feels a little bit unnerving when you beat that team in the round robin. If you go back and look, very rarely does, you know, one of us win both the round robin game and the, the final game. And that's how close it is, you know, and like you said, I mean, I've got three silvers from world championships, but when you get into that Olympic year, you know, and in Sochi, we, we're we fortunate we beat them twice. We beat them in the round robin and in the final, and they were obviously very close games, but, um, you know in a centralization year was just so process focused we're so focused on what we had to do um in order to you know be at our best that i felt like i didn't think about it the same as i usually did you know when we were at a world championships it was we had a goal we had you know we were there to you know accomplish that goal and we thought a, a little bit less about you know just that stress of playing playing them um and i think maybe that's what what helped us you know win when it came down to it but like you said, to win in the moments where it matters, that's, uh, that's a great feeling.
0: And what, you know, you guys had to come behind in that gold medal game. And what was it like when that, uh, you know, when that final whistle blew and, and, you, and you guys had done it?
3: Absolute relief, um, <laughs> relief and happiness. You know, we t- just talked about how it felt when I made that team, but I'll tell you about 30 minutes after I found out I was going to the Olympics, all I could think about was, oh shit, now we got to win. You know, that's the expectation when you're playing for Canada. That's, you know, why we why we go. And um, so just that feeling of knowing that we did it, that all the hard work paid off um, was just the best feeling in the world. And that that feeling of relief for sure.
0: Now, this was a you know, this is it. This is the winner in overtime, obviously. And, and, uh, you know, tell us about that moment.
3: Yeah, you know, going into uh, once we got to overtime, right, we had the momentum and, and felt really good about it. Um, our team slogan that year was univer- uh, unity and adversity. And I think we had just faced so much of it that in this moment, you know, our team never got too high or too low. So going into overtime obviously felt great, and um, you know it's—I don't know if I could tell you a specific memory other than jumping off that bench and getting into the pile as quick as possible. But um, mm-hmm. you know, watching the video is always fun, and um, you know, Pooh makes it look so easy here, but it's uh, very underestimated what that you know it took to execute that.
0: Wow, well, yeah, what what are what are some of Yeah, that's brilliant. Can't beat that stuff. Definitely. So the uh, the uh, the celebration afterwards, the, what was uh, uh, so you know the, the, nobody, very few people had experienced that before. You know, some of the girls on your team had, but uh, you know, this you were a newbie at this. But uh, uh, just tell me about the, the, just the, the the feelings that you know amongst each other. They, just the just the overall emotion. What was it like, on the moment.
3: Yeah, just getting to, you know, everything we've talked about, everything that we went through leading up to that moment, um, you know, you just get to celebrate with each other and appreciate each other and appreciate everything that we went through to get to that moment. You know, personally, a way I like to describe it is since I knew that it was my goal back in 2002, watching um, our, our women win gold, then every decision that I've made in my life um, leading to that moment was made with this goal in the back of my mind. And every other woman standing next to me with gold medals around their neck did the same thing. And to be able to share that moment with them and, you know, everyone and bring everyone's families together. I think that was the coolest part, you know, after standing for our anthem, which is another one that really stands out for me. But then getting to go back um, and really celebrate and share the experience with our families who did so much to help us get to where we where we are and learn about other people's journeys. And um, it was the best part
0: jerome mcginla might be the most decorated men's hockey player of all time he won the world juniors where he was named top forward he won the world championship the world cup he scored two goals in the 2002 olympic gold medal final and of course he set up that golden goal in vancouver in 2010. the golden goal in 2010 getting a chance to play on canadian soil the vancouver games getting a chance to play with Sid. And, and I know Vic, our producer, want to ask me this. Did you hear Sid calling for the puck?
4: <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Make sure, guys, uh, young kids, make sure you talk on the ice. Talk, talk, talk. It makes the game easier. If he's not yelling for this, there's no way I even try to throw it to him. But he was yelling with a and with an urgency, like you knew he got by the guy. Uh, so I really wanted to try to get it to him. Um, and obviously, he his quick hands and his quick release, what a – um, uh, great shot, big goal. But truly, that was so much fun. There was in the dressing room when they came back and tied it. uh U.S. tied it on us late. It was like so nerve-wracking getting ready to go into the overtime because you know you're an athlete, but also a fan, and and you know going out there, um, it's going to be something we're going to remember forever or hear about forever. So it could either be really, really positive or not, but. You know, as an athlete, you sign up for those things, and it is. You know, I always believe the more things on the line, the more fun it is to play, and especially when it goes well. And that was like felt like it was a PeeWee memory. You know, like our dream from PeeWee, getting to throw our gloves around, Sid. You know, like being on home soil, uh the fans and the electricity. It was it was so cool, and um what a neat moment, and uh, very very blessed. Yeah, it was it was fun and great to see all the time. Every time I see a highlight of it. It's always going to make me smile. It was, it was neat. Well,
0: you did it from your you knock on on the play, and you still managed to get the goal. to Sid and and uh, how, how determined were you guys? Because, like you said, like twenty four ticks left. The Americans scored to tie it, and and uh, now they've got all the momentum, and now you're going overtime. And such, I mean, the whole freaking world is watching this game. Certainly North America, and certain, certainly Canada. Uh, did you feel some pressure there?
4: Oh, absolutely! Yeah, we felt pressure. It was, and they beat us in the uh, in the round robin too. And uh, it was, you know, when when you're playing that game and you're up with a goal left with a few minutes, a uh, goal you're up a goal with a few minutes left in a game. You're you're trying to keep playing, but you're also like, you're 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 watching the clock. You're trying not to, but you're each minute matters. Each minute, and now you're under a minute, and it's a tight game. And we have some of the best defenders in the world you know it's it's you know it's we're that close so when they score it it stings it stings you're that close to a gold medal on home soil we go into the locker room it's quiet it it there's you know for the first 5 minutes in there um there's not a lot of talking and you know it's like man we were that close and we let it slip away you know or get out of you know so but then i think it was Niedermeyer, and i think he said Scott Niedemar he was our captain. I think he said, "Someone's going to be a hero tonight." And then we start getting each other going. And then Mike Babcock, he was a good leader, and he came in as a coach and got us refocused. And uh, now we just now we're now we're recharged. Now we focus not on what ifs or or what you know the bad side if we don't win or anything like that. You try to just put all your focus into what do we need to do. Let's be positive. Let's go work. Let's go have some fun. We're in the overtime. Someone's going to be a hero tonight. And fortunately. It did work out that way and, and Sid got that big goal. But yeah, lots of nerves. Um, it's funny because when you're on in those type of games, when you're on the bench, you're a fan. You're like watching, you're excited, you're like a little bit nervous. And then when you go on the ice, you just go, go, go. You just work away and compete and play. And it's easier to be playing in those situations than than being on the bench as a, a fan and being nervous or not getting much in the in the game. So um, yeah, it was it was really, really cool and a neat experience about all those sport things you hear about, about staying positive, about focusing and staying in the moment. It was, it was one of those that, uh, you know, was for the rest of our careers, uh, I'm sure we all got to draw on and, and uh, learn from uh, firsthand.
0: One of the most unexpected gold medal victories for a Canadian team came in Tokyo at the 2020 Summer Games in women's soccer. Alicia Chapman was part of that incredible shutdown Canadian defense that victory over the U.S. was particularly sweet. Beating the Americans, I mean, you know, it, it's the first time you really beat the Americans in a game that counted. And uh, what was it like to finally get that done?
7: It, it felt great, honestly. Uh, we didn't play our most complete game. Our second half was was a little shaky, but they didn't. The U.S. didn't have any answers for us, and we knew going into this game that this was the best opportunity that we'd ever had to to beat them because they hadn't been gelling all tournament and so just to be able to knock them out in in that semifinal game it just it was like payback for a lot of the girls on the team that were there in london and it just it just felt pretty good to to erase like the 20 years of history where we we hadn't got the win against them so
0: right and knowing that you knocked them into the bronze medal match unlike what they did with you guys and of course, the calls yeah. went a little bit better for you this time around. How did it feel to have to know that the the refereeing was was a lot more re- like legit, like uh, than it was the first time yeah, you guys just, played them?
6: It's
7: hard to uh, to beat VAR, you know. So I we always have that video assistant referee that's uh, that helped helped mm-hmm. us in the the Brazil game as well. So it's harder for them to make some mistakes or maybe make. Calls in one team's favor or the other.
0: So um, you get was was it a little bit better maybe beating the Americans though in that uh, semifinal than say Britain or somebody else Brazil. Uh, I
7: yeah I I think beating them in the semis was um, it would have been it it just it it feel it felt pretty good it would have felt better than like if we had to beat. Exactly, like the Netherlands in the semis, because I, I was convinced that the Netherlands were going to go through and that's who we we're facing. But just to be able to knock the U.S. off, who, <laughs> who can be yeah. a little bit of a cocky team and underestimate us <laughs> at times, it, it, was, it was pretty fun.
0: So, okay, so tell me, what was that moment like, okay, when, when, uh, when Grossel scored that goal? Got it done well. First of all, the big save by uh, by Steph, and then and then the and then the goal by Grosso, and then the, the the team eruption. As soon as that ball went in, she hammered it because the goaltender got a real good piece of that ball, and it went yeah. top top of the net. So so that mm-hmm. watching that happen, full, what was going on in your mind?
7: For a split second, I thought it had been saved, and so I, I hesitated a little bit, and then when I saw. The net go back. I was just like, "Oh my god, we we did it! Uh, we missed three penalties in a row, but then we somehow somehow pulled it through in the end." And it was just like a feeling like no other. Honestly, it was just to be able to get that gold for Sync as well. It just meant a lot to us.
0: Well, just for us watching at home, that was such an incredible uh, incredible ordeal. I mean, because you guys went behind in the kicks 2-1, and we think oh, think, oh, no, oh, no, because you had stressful. the lead, and you lost the lead, and oh, God,
7: there Exciting. can be nothing
0: more stressful than that.
7: <laughs> yeah, I was, I was super stressed. Between kicks, some of the girls were uh, on the side with me having to do like a little lap before they came back to, you know, regroup for the next shot. It was highly stressful. <laughs>
0: I'm thinking, almost want to throw up right now. I mean, it's got to be so. Uh, and then, of course, and and then when when the, when the goal goes in, you guys erupt there. A whole country erupts here. I mean, millions of people, you know, watching it here in at home in Canada. What does this do for soccer in this country? Do you think?
7: Well, I'm hoping that you know us winning gold inspires the next generation. But I also hope it maybe opens up some pocketbooks here in Canada so that we can get a domestic league going, a domestic professional league because right now Canadians, a lot of Canadians are left with no place to play after they graduate from university and I just think having a domestic league can only make our program better and the fact that we've succeeded without it is just a testament to, to the players and the coaching staff that we have. <laughs>
0: Okay, now my COSA Swiss pick of the week. You know, last week I went to Mohawk for Thursday night's third race. I took Addictive Behavior, who would challenge for the lead lead as they headed into the final turn. But Wildcat Star, the favorite, found some room in the stretch. Addictive Behavior appeared to have second spot in the bag, but a furious finish by 59-1 to shot Lions Princess to grab second. The 4-7 exact return, $116.40. This week, I'm going back to Mohawk, Thursday night, for the second race, the Ontario Sired Spring Stakes for 3-0 Phillies, second leg, and I'm going to go with the number five horse, Better Double Flip, driven by James McDonald. She had a tough trip last week. I think she'll be fine from the five hole. I also like the 256 exactor box. For all the racing updates, visit Cosa TV on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And go to HPIbet.com for your wagering options. This is the Excellent Sports Adventure. Brought to you by Rycom. Yes, I'm here in beautiful Las Vegas, home of this weekend's NFL Draft. A Canadian could be selected in the first round, possibly a top 10. Alabama wide receiver John Mechie III of Brampton might hear his name called. Mechie was born in Taiwan, grew up in Canada. He won a national title in 2020. This year, he caught 96 passes for 1,142 yards for the Crimson Tide with eight touchdowns before suffering a torn ACL in the conference title game. And Penn State linebacker Jesse Lakeda is also likely to get picked, probably not in the first round. He's 6'3", 247 pounds, and he hails from Ottawa. No NBA team has ever rallied from a 3-0 series deficit. Can the Raptors be the first to do so? Well, we're going to find out. They're going back to Scotiabank Arena for Game 6. No Fred Van Vliet, but Pascal Siakam was phenomenal in Games 4 and 5. Unstoppable. Scotty Barnes is back. That wonky ankle is getting better every time out. Now, Scotty recently became the third Raptor in history to win the NBA's Rookie of the Year award. The Raps phenomenal swingman started 74 games this season, averaging 15.3 points, seven and a half rebounds, three and a half assists, and over one steal a game in 35 plus minutes. Scotty was the only rookie to rank in the top five in points, rebounds, assists, steals, and blocks. The other two Raps to win the top rookie award, Damon Stoudemire and Vince Carter. Yes, Bobby Webster and his group are doing a terrific job of evaluating the talent. Go Raptors! Well, at least that Southern swing wasn't a total disaster. Yes, it started out that way with that humbling 8-1 setback in Tampa. But the Buds were able to get their act together for the next two games. An overtime loss in Sunrise against the team that will take home the President's Trophy. A game they could have won easily. Then a shootout victory in Washington. A nice rebound game for Eric Schalgren with Alex Kerfoot, of all people, sealing the deal in the seventh round. The Leafs will have the home ice age now against the two-time defending champs from Tampa. Let's get it on. Blue Jays missing some key pieces in the series finale against the Red Sox in Boston, but Kevin Gossman's stuff was outrageous. So when skipper Charlie Montoya headed toward the big right-hander like he might pull him out of the game, Vlad Guerrero provided the block, Pretty funny stuff here, folks. I'm guessing Charlie was leaving him anyway. Now, Gosman pitched into the ninth inning as the Jays got the game and the series victory. Gosman, the W, and we knew he was going to be terrific on defense, but Matt Chapman is also bringing it offensively. A couple of clutch base raps as the Birds take two out of three from the Astros. Love everything about this club. Toronto FC has slipped into a tie for fourth place in the MLS Eastern Division standings. It started a great on the road against New York City. Jesus Jimenez with a couple of sweet goals to stake the Reds out to an early 2-0 lead. But City came storming back five straight goals capped by Gabby Pereira. They hang on and win a wild 1-5-4. FC falls to 3-2-3. The Rock close out their regular season against the league-leading Buffalo Bandits in Buffalo Saturday. They'll open the playoffs at First Ontario Centre Friday, May 6th, likely against Halifax. A big pro boxing show coming up May 7th at Red Owl Performance Centre in Brampton. Scarborough's Justin Candoza puts his 14-0 record on the line. Zoltaranyi, Victor Reynosa and Bonnie Hunter will also fight on that card. The show will air live on Buzz TV. Meanwhile, a couple local prospects had impressive performances at the annual Shaw Festival event. Hamilton lightweight Spencer Wilcox scored a second-round knockout. While heavyweight Ricardo Brand improved to 2-0 with a KO as well, and Adrian Bembridge scored a knockout at 28 seconds of the first round. He's now 3-0. Canada's Lauren Rowe earned second spot at the PGA Tour Canada's Q School Tournament, The event was won by Taylor Funk. Now we go to Arizona for our shot of the week.
1: God damn
3: it. Here we are on the thirteenth hole. Tin Cup hole. And two And two back. Arizona, United States. Joe Tilly. Yes.
6: Is he happy? Yes. Is
3: he happy? He's doing the
1: Bunker? I think it's there. I think it's there. I think it's
0: there. What? God damn it. At four! RICOM, passionate people who turn complicated business problems into simplified technology solutions for public and private sector real estate, properties, portfolios, and enterprise customers. Optimize and future proof smart buildings from the ground up. The latest in fault locating base building network design, managed services, cybersecurity, data analytics. Our fault detection will support all smart strategies, define projected outcomes for capital planning, and reduce environmental impact. RICOM, smart protection solutions. At RICOM, we're building a path to a smart and environmentally friendly future. We want to thank all the folks who make this show possible. These are friends, trusted business associates, and all-around great people I highly recommend them all. A reminder this show is available on iTunes, Spotify, Breaker, Radio Public, Google Podcast, and Pocket Cast, as well as the Spanglish Network and Zingo TV. Also, please like and subscribe to the show on YouTube. It's free. All of our past great shows and clips are there. See you next week. Joe Tilly's Great Canadian Sports Show is brought to you by Brian Gribben Insurance Planning helping you solidify your financial future. At
3: BGIP, what we do that's unique in the marketplace is we show people how to spend and enjoy their money in their early years of retirement without the fear of running out. Also, we're able to do this without you having to change financial
0: advisors. Please look us up at bgip.ca today. Let's book a 30-minute phone call to see how we can bring value to you and your family and your planning. Call Brian today for all your retirement needs. We did 905-686-5678. Do you want to buy or sell a home? Could 31 years of real estate experience help you? Why not speak to an amazing team that loves to overpromise and over-deliver? Aldo has a tremendous team of experts on staff. They are committed to making your next real estate transaction smooth and comfortable. Call 416-GET-ALDO or visit getaldo.com. MNP, a leading Canadian national accounting, tax, and business accounting firm. MNP proudly serves in response to the need of their clients in the private, public, and nonprofit sectors. Through partner-led engagements, MNP provides a collaborative, cost-effective approach to do business and personal strategies to help people and organizations to succeed across the country and around the world. With local offices in Oshawa, Mississauga, Burlington, and more. Their team is here to support you.
6: Visit mnp.ca today to learn more.